Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige film. This week, our Patreon producers set us to work to talk about the Silver Linings Playbook, the 2012 David O. Russell film. It was written and directed by him. Complex history and feelings about David O. Russell. He's a complex, uh, controversial man who's directed some of my favorite movies. I Heart Huckabee's American Hustle, Three Kings, The Fighter, Amsterdam. Eh, it's all right. Uh, it was based on the Silver Linings playbook written by Matthew Quick. It stars Bradley Cooper, got a start in Wet Hot American su- uh, Summer, broke out in The Hangover, worked with David O on uh, American Hustle. He's been voicing Rocket, the raccoon, uh, on Guardians of the Galaxy for about a decade now. Jennifer Lawrence, also starring this movie. Uh, she was Mystique in the Next Generation X-Men movies, Katniss Everdeen in the Hunger Games trilogy. Uh, kind of part-time David O. Russell. Uh, <laughs> David O. Russell. David O. Russell Muse. Uh, she worked with him on Joy, uh, also American Hustle. Uh, Robert fucking De Niro is the godfather. He's a raging bull. He's the taxi driver and the deer hunter and so many other things. He's a dad in this movie. Jackie Weaver. Uh, first thing I saw her in was the Animal Kingdom, or just Animal Kingdom, actually. Uh, she was awesome. I guess she's been kicking around Yellowstone the past few years. Anupam Kerr, who is the dad on Bend It Like Beckham and is a legit star in India, but I haven't seen a lot of his catalog. Uh, Chris Tucker, a.k.a. Jim Jones Kryptonite. Uh, seen him in Friday, Fifth Element. Uh, what was that one with Jackie Chan? Rush Hour. The, the Rush three? Hour. Yeah. One, two, maybe three. I don't know how many of those were. Mm-hmm. Julia Stiles, 10 Things I Hate About You, Save the Last Dance. Uh, Shea Wiggum. Oh, man. Love Shea Wiggum. Got introduced to him in Boardwalk Empire. Uh, seen him in Wolf of Wall Street, The Modern Mission Impossibles. Uh, John Ortiz. Uh, who I didn't recognize, but he's actually been in a ton of stuff. Carlito's Way, American Gangster. He was a primary antagonist of Fast and Furious. Came back for Fast 6 as uh, a Mexican drug runner. Uh, This film is interesting. I wonder what you think about it. Have you seen it before? This is my first time. Uh, No, I have not seen this movie before. Uh, I'm surprised. Surprise! This is your first time, and this this is a movie that we put up to a vote for our patrons, and mm-hmm. I forget what it was up against, but I assumed you had seen it since you suggested it for a vote. Um, Wasn't well, it's like it hits all our criteria for you know it's uh, made a lot of money, it's popular, Oscar winning, sure, pedigree. Sure. So I was curious because like stars. I and I, I, I do try to watch a lot of David O. Russell. Um, yeah. Huh. Okay. Uh, yeah. I... I like this movie way more than I expected to, because uh, when we were talking about it, you're like, well, it's a rom-com, but, you know, it's not really like traditional rom-com, and it definitely isn't. Uh, the thing no. I appreciated about it most was that it was nothing, nothing in this would be considered traditional rom-com, I guess, um, with with maybe some exceptions here and there. But, like, it really surprised me. I think the acting is extremely good from all parties uh i i can't tell if robert de niro ever actually acts but he's very good uh bradley cooper j j law they're both pretty amazing in this um and, and i found it really it, it, i was really invested in the rom-com part of it not because like i want to see 
two people fall madly in love like that every other story ever told on film but because it was two people who seemed badly damaged coming together to help each other that was the the thing that like really struck an emotional chord with me uh and so i at the end of this thing i kind of sat back and went damn that was a really good rom-com mm-hmm. how about you <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was actually pleasantly surprised that it wasn't more rom-commy than it was. Like, it's kind of funny, mm-hmm. but, um, it's also, I found this to be, the first two thirds of this is some, some, some stressful watching. Like it's, oh yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll put this up with like uncut gems in terms of like watching through my eyes. Like, oh my God, is this happening? I can't believe this person's making these decisions. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I've had a couple people that I've cared about be, you know, have this kind of like bipolar. I'm not sure if we ever mm. got an official diagnosis. I know that was one of the things they were saying about them. Yeah, I've heard David O. Russell talk about it as like Asperger's too. Um, like There's kind of in that spectrum somewhere. Definitely some autism on the Bradley Cooper side too. It seems like, um, but but yeah, I, I, it's like it, it it is you know, and like uh, I, and fortunately, most of the people that I I have known uh, and kept up with have like gotten on good medication and have had expected therapies, and they're a lot more you know, evened out and calmer, but like it's, it, I think it pays a really good, it paints a really good picture of what it's like to love someone like that or have someone like that in your life, you know, to be their parent, to be someone that cares about, to be a best friend, to be, and it, it also is interesting in that it kind of shows how uh, the sham, uh, the, the, the neurotypical people put up, you know, like I thought that uh, oh, yeah. the, 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 his friend that has everything right. And he's J- Julia Stiles husband and, you know, he's got the nice house and a nice job. He's got a kid and one other one on the way and he's having his nice dinner and and they get alone and he's like, and I just I just feel like there's this crushing weight on my chest and that I can't. And he's describing like he's having panic attacks because being a, quote, sane person is is also difficult. And I mean, I think that's the other thing that I got in this movie is like empathy of like it is very tough to you know, claw your back way out from this situation. And you think of how much like support Bradley Cooper has in terms of like an accepting fan, maybe a little bit enabling family. Um, but it's yeah. like, yeah, if you, you, you like guy like Bradley Cooper, you know, uh, the, the stuff in, tends to creep up in late teen, you know, early twenties, uh, guy like that without a family, you know, and without some good friends in his life, he's on the street and probably dead, homeless, whatever, in 10 years. And but this isn't that story. This is a guy who does have support and resources. Um, what the fuck does Robert De Niro do? Is he just a, a gambler? Is he just a is he just seems like it? Uh, he So he lost his job. I forget what I, I don't know if they ever say what his old job was, but now he's a bookmaker. So I think in those terms, they're talking about sports. Betting. OK, uh, that seems insane, uh, but like, yeah. sure, I'll roll with it. But that because like, at first I'm like, oh, he got he's he's you know lost his job and and something about is he trying to be an author? Is he writing a book? I'm like, no, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just a total degenerate gambler, <laughs> and it's working out somehow. I thought it was the author uh, thing too. I was like, oh, he's writing books, or he's I, or he's yeah. binding books in a spare bedroom. That's why he doesn't want know. people in his office because he's embarrassed to see that uh-huh, you know. Uh-huh. But it, no, he's just he's like, and that's, that's the thing. It's like. Maybe this movie's a little Pollyanna because yeah, it is hard for, for sure. me to believe that this family was able to pull. But, you know, I mean, like I said, it's it's a comedy. Uh, um, 
And I think it's also got like, it's got a really interesting message because like, I don't agree with much of what people do in this movie in terms of interpersonal Uh relationship strategies and the silver linings playbook. But like, it does make a certain twisted amount of sense, (laughs) you know? Uh, And the the silver linings playbook idea is what? Just stay positive and things will work out. Well, no, I'm talking about the actual playbook that is ran on Bradley Cooper. That's like this. But oh, I don't want to spoil oh, it because yeah, there's yeah. a whole sure. you know, it's a rom-com. So there's all, all you know, <laughs> there's got to be a misunderstanding. There's got to be a reveal of secret information. It's got and like you're mm-hmm. thinking, oh, God, this is some kind of Jennifer Aniston, uh, you, you know, uh, Ben Stiller Polly kind of, kind of thing. Yeah. What? Kind of like, oh, this is every rom But like it's no, it's it's a lot because um you know, those movies are fundamentally dealing about immature people. These are mentally ill people. And it's a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I find myself liking it. And that's the other thing is like, God damn, Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence are just so off the charts charismatic mm-hmm. in this film. And they, minor spoiler alert, they put them to dancing at about you know about halfway through this movie and it's it's mm-hmm. some really it's some really sexy exciting stuff you get to see here uh, um, yeah oh that's one way to describe it ridiculous <laughs> and foolish looking is another way but yeah. that's you know um when, when sure. you see it all that's the thing it's like the the actual put together like when because like the whole movie uh-huh. i'm watching and i'm like what the fuck it's like ballet and the yeah. moses supposes from 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 singing in the rain and like what how what is this thing going to be and then <laughs> when, when you see it when chris tucker gets involved i'm i it it blew up right. what i thought they were doing i'm like I, is he just like having him cut loose and have fun no it turns out there's a point to all that yeah no they they, they add a little bit of the, the tucker to the mix too mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. Can I well, say, like I said, I, Chris yeah. Tucker, this might be the first role I've ever seen Chris Tucker in that I actually enjoyed him in. He And it's so weird because he talks about, like, he's also a mental patient uh, at this this hospital, mm-hmm. and he's constantly, like, breaking out and, and trying right. to sneak out of this place for all sorts of fabricated reasons or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and every, every time he shows up, he's talking about, like, how he's got, you know, bipolar or ADD and, like, all, all these things. I'm like, oh, Chris Tucker is the perfect person to play an ADD patient, right? Like, severe ADD. He's just a mile a minute, can't stop talking. He's actually kind of not like that in this movie. He's actually much more subdued than he is in Rush Hour or, or my God, oh, is Ruby Rod yeah. in Fifth Element. Yeah, but you can see like there was one scene where I thought they might uncork him and let him let him uh-huh. out a little bit, and he kind of but it's it's like twenty percent of what he's capable of, <laughs> right? Uh, right. Which twenty percent Chris Tucker is about the right level of Chris Tucker. That's for that's me. The, that's the level of seasoning that you prefer. Yeah, I love I love. Chris I thought Tucker. he was actually a lot hilarious. of fun. This movie. I remember the first time I saw him in Fifth Element, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? But I didn't find it, like, viscerally annoying like a lot of people did. And <laughs> like then I just I kept on kept on seeing him. He's a funny guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess we should probably, like, um, what did you think about the filmmaking? Uh, it's pretty see-through. Like, you don't you don't really notice it a lot. It's kind of just like cameras there with family who's doing their thing. And I think that worked really yeah, well intimate. for this movie. They, they, they stuff like, you know, somehow these cameras in these tiny little living rooms and like bedroom spaces. And I really enjoyed the lighting. Like everything was very natural. And there's a lot of these scenes were very dim. 
but like, you know, like it looked like it was lit by a candle or two, but you could still see everything. And that really paid off. There's a scene where like Jennifer Lawrence flees a environment um, to go make some bad decisions. And she's walking through this like almost like pitch black club. This is just lit by some like very background lighting. And but every once in a while, like a flash will look like eliminate or like a strobe. And I, there's a lot of stuff like that that they used um, even in brightly lit scenes like uh I thought it's interesting that there's this parking lot scene where they're outside, they're tailgating during a uh, an Eagles game, the Eagles, and you know a, a brawl breaks out, and like this is a very brightly lit. It's outside, everybody's got their shirt off and they're having fun, and but when like the fight starts, like this, I don't know what the tr- they they actually deliberately turn off the lights or they put up some shades or whatever, but like the scene got darker, um, mm. and there's a couple little, little touches like that because. Uh, I, I, this is another one that yeah, like a lot of David O's work I want to see multiple times to appreciate because he is capable of doing a lot of like really cool symbolic vision. but this is yeah it felt like like buttoned down and intimate and I I wonder if he considers this a little bit autobiographical because it's very easy to see the things or to hear about the things he pulled on like the three Kings set or the things he, I, the things I've seen him do like in the behind the scenes footage from like uh, the, the diehard Huckabees and not see Bradley Cooper. Like, you know, this, this guy's always been, he's good looking, very talented. Um, but he just has this like explosive temper and this, this um, maniacal thing to his directing. And I wonder if he actually has, done some therapy and gotten gotten help on that uh uh i will say that the last few films of his has been a lot more traditional than the stuff that i kind of saw uh him him make but but there is still Mm -hmm. excellent so i I don't know like maybe maybe he's uh, found a little bit of peace himself which would be cool because my god that guy that guy that directed that shit back in the 90s seemed like a a crazy person yeah very unpleasant to be around i know there's um Another, another personal angle here. Uh, his son is actually in this movie. His son, Matthew, who plays the kid, the reporter kid who's like always come to the door trying to get a story on Bradley Cooper's character. No kidding. Yeah. And, and he has some some behavioral issues, I guess. And he, he kind of goes to a, a school for that stuff. So I think this was really a, a very personal movie for mm-hmm. David, who you know wrote and directed it. That's interesting, too, because like I got to say that like I, you know, went through the first half of my life with a whole bunch of undiagnosed like learning disabilities and uh, I don't know, mental illnesses, whatever, personality flaws, chemical imbalances. And I discovered a lot of them through ha- being a son and like, you know, like where my parents is like, oh, this kid's fucking weird. What are you going to do? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I actually think that there's there might be something here and it turns out there's like there's like been there's like yeah super effective treatments for a lot of this stuff uh and coping skills and whatnot and i but it reminded me a lot of like you know robert de niro's character is clearly like a lowercase version of whatever bradley cooper is Mm -hmm. and also like the idea is like is that because the genes just didn't quite express fully is it because he lucked into a situation where he is largely successful and supportive so he didn't get triggered, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. he's got a, a man of one wife who never fucked the adjutant professor in yeah, the bed and flips went his way in, in the shower with your wedding song playing like uh, 
Uh, so, but, but he's clearly got some kind of OCD and some, some manic energy himself. And he, he still could maybe ruin his family's life at whatever yeah, age he is in this kills film. me about this movie, man. It's, it, it's not all roses and puppy dogs at the end in my view, but, but you well, know what, that's what it is that here in a bit. If you got a lot of damaged people in your family, a lot of times that's the way it is, man. Like it's never going to be perfect, and there's always going to be some kind of storm oh, yeah, cloud. Yeah. And but like you know, you're going to be able to weather it together. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you're right. Like it, and that's a lot. Of, I would be a lot more critical of some of the things that they did in this film if it weren't like very obviously a comedy. You know? Sure, sure. Yeah, this isn't. You know, it, this isn't exactly a. Uh, an in-depth hard-hitting penetrating look but it's it's also got very very real and it's very funny and i think that um i also think if i saw this movie in my like early 20s i think it's even funnier because i i remember because my family's somewhat dysfunctional given to a lot of yelling and screaming and, and throwing things and i used to when i see that depicted in the film i thought it was super funny and relatable because like oh right mm-hmm. right everyone's mom flies off the handle and starts throwing things everybody's dad gets a little slap happy and but now when I watch this stuff, I'm like, oh, shit, this is insane. This is very stressful. I can't oh, believe yeah. people live like this full time. Like, you know, um, I, I almost feel like watching the bear has done a disservice to this. A, because all I can see dude. is Evan Moss Bacharach in this role. Like if this, yes. if Silver Linings Playbook is made today, it, mm-hmm. it's him, right? Like he's that character. Uh, and, and also the dysfunctionality of that family, the bear family, uh, compared to this family is just night and day. I mean, this family has it easy compared to them because they're yeah, no, just I, monsters I, to each other. I have in my notes that the bear is the very <laughs> non-funny, highly accurate yes. depiction of these all same mechanics um, mm-hmm. and is enormously entertaining and watchable for that very reason. But yeah, this is the uh, this is the Hobbit uh, version of... of, uh-huh. of <laughs> <laughs> the you know uh, like how how do you forgive yourself and move on or after tragedy and family trauma and uh th- and, and the bear is the lord of the rings yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> uh should we get into cuz i de- oh the other thing about filmmaking i talked about its use of light and shadow and the intimacy um i think it's got a really good soundtrack too like we just uh-huh, wis- yeah. listened to a movie with an all-time one um mm-hmm with days, days and confused. confused but like I, I i mean it's not as good there's loaded as that one but it compares favorably you know mm-hmm. some nice needle drop moments um the dancing scenes it's just required to have some good music for that and i thought they delivered uh do you have any uh, like rando observations or should we get into talking about the movie proper yeah let's talk about the movie we'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause And now, back with more Bald Move. If you haven't seen this film, uh, it stars Bradley Cooper. He is a young man uh, that we meet in a mental institution on his day that he is getting, I guess, sprung out by his mother. And he is, his whole mission in life is to win the love and esteem of his current wife, Nikki, back. And mm-hmm. he's got his whole silver linings playbook that he wants to run where it's all about positive energy and, you know, uh, love and su- sending love and support in the world and trying not to get arrested for violating his 500 foot uh, custody, uh, protective custody order uh, that his wife has taken out against him. 
Uh, his family, Jackie Weaver and Robert De Niro's mom and dad that, uh, you know, alternatively try to, to, to help him and enable him. And, uh, then he meets his best friend's sister, best friend's wife's sister at a dinner, Jennifer Lawrence, and they, with their broken people radar, attract to each other. And that's the movie. I mean, that happens in like the first 10 or 15 minutes and the rest of the movie is a will they, won't they? Will Brad uh be able to get over his uh you know quixotic love with his wife will she be able to get over him not being over his wife and you know she's got issues of their their own um yeah that's the movie mm-hmm. sounds like a good time you should watch it it won some oscars yeah it is a good time i don't often recommend rom-coms but this one's pretty good this was jennifer lawrence's first oscar right uh has to be right she was like 22. She's very young. I remember this, yeah. I remember when she won her first, I think it was for this, and uh, Talith is not invigorously. She was like, I, I know she was the youngest, I think person, not just woman, the youngest person ever to win an Oscar. Ever? Holy shit. All right. Maybe they had a 12-year-old kid that won one, or a, a young boy that won one, but I, I, think I, re- I think I remember that being like a, kind of a historic moment. So where 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 do we want to begin? Uh that's a good question. I, I guess I want to talk about uh Bradley Cooper's character, Patrick. Mm-hmm. He He clearly has some anger issues, I think, come from his father, right? Like this is a this is a thing that throughout the movie they're constantly talking about how his father's banned from going to the Philadelphia football stadium, the Eagle Stadium, because he's beaten up so many people there. <laughs> Uh, and, and Patrick also has, well, Patrick Jr. He also has those same issues. I think he's prone to explosions of emotion and, and typically that looks like violence where he's breaking things and, and shoving people. Um, and that's kind of like the number one thing that he seems to need to get under control. Right. That's like, that's the thing that gets him in trouble the most. Yeah. Impulse control. And yeah having too many external locuses of control loci of control uh i think is what the 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 official therapy talk would be he's he's getting he's got too many things outside of him pulling his levers and his levers have outsized reactions to his emotions Mm -hmm. and then he has no disconnect between his emotions and his actions yeah um and his mouth too Uh, it's not it's not just actions it's also things he says to people he's got no filter Yeah. yeah uh and, and and I was interested to see like the evolution of this over the course of the movie because when he comes out he's proclaiming like I'm better I'm good and you can see all the ways in which he's not right mm-hmm. like he might have some tools in his toolbox but he's not using them very effectively um, as like his doctor will say kind of in their sessions um, and over the course of the movie I feel like he got way better at using the tools that he has. Uh, the Excelsior thing at the beginning doesn't come into the movie very often, which kind of surprised me. I expected it to be like a serenity now kind of thing where he yeah. just shout Excelsior every once in a while, but he kind of doesn't. There, yeah. There's a lot of times where he just, when things are becoming too much, he just, he goes inside himself, right? He like oh. withdraws, trying to escape all of the, like you said, the external uh, stimulations there. Um and I I thought it was like really well portrayed over the course of this movie how he started to feel more comfortable with those tools. 
Yeah, like in and in, in uh, the the Jennifer Lawrence who apparently has gone through the same stuff, kind of like she's a little bit further on the path, like kind kind of mm-hmm. you know you can get a flash of like effective like just breathing techniques. Uh, slowing down i mean honestly if you have um i mean that's a, that's an incredibly powerful technique if you are prone to outburst of emotions whatever those be is like when you're feeling these powerful emotions just try to not do anything just try to like flip a circuit yeah. breaker between your just and just sit and breathe sit and breathe yeah. it's amazing like the most intense emotion you'll ever feel will will not go but like your body will process it if you just breathe for like 60 seconds 90 tops you know uh-huh. like it's like and it's like um I've known that most of my life, but it didn't really start sinking in. I didn't start practicing it until I was in my 30s. And it's just like, oh, my God, right. Yeah. Like, this isn't like I don't I don't have to be this angry or sad all the time. You could just or you don't have to you don't have to do something crazy to deal with it. It's just like yeah, your body yeah. will deal with it, man. And yeah, it will uh, pass. and then you can think but, and react in a clear headed way. But conversely, you can spiral it and you can see him oh, like, yeah. you know, when he sees something that upsets him, you know, like uh, the ending of a book, Ernest Hemingway's character dying instead of being reunited with his, you know, his sweetheart. Uh, you know, most people would be like, oh, that's a bummer. Uh, some people shed a tear. Not people would throw that book out the window and then go <laughs> harangue your mom and dad at four o'clock in the morning uh-huh. to find a resolution for why this doesn't make sense. And it's like everyone in the house needs to be as upset as you are because obviously so. Yeah, he, yeah, he's so like he, he's so on this silver linings playbook with positivity, right? Just positive thinking all the time that even being confronted with a negative idea upsets him to that degree. Uh, and it's a two hour movie. You know, you we always talk about how you're not just going to like have an experience that suddenly magically makes you better. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the case where you have bipolar disorder or some some kind of other mental uh, quirk you're definitely not going to be like cured by some experience you have, mm-hmm. but it's through the, the consistent and sustained effort that you can learn to deal with that stuff. And I think that's where the movie is really best. In my opinion, it shows that kind of trajectory in it's, you know, abbreviated two hour form, but it, it felt very natural the way he got there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's I think they it is well paced and they do have these moments where it's frustrating to watch him like just blunder into some emotional situation with his obtuseness. And it's actually played for laughs. And I thought it's the funny the fact that like anytime Jennifer Lawrence like tried to open her mouth to say something serious, he's instantly like, oh, is that how your husband died? Or like, you know, this this the yeah, the incredibly traumatic thing for her. It'd be like if someone was following him around and every five minutes plays a wedding song. And you right. can kind of see right. her like at some points, like she handles it better than, than others, but he just keeps uh-huh. doing it. And it's but it's like because he's just this, he's just this unstoppable like a he's like a 10,000 pound stone sliding across a lake. And these interactions he has with people like are like little 500 pound or 100 pound stones ricocheting off him. They're all slowing him down. But like, you know, he is eventually at the end of the movie. He has this kind of like self-aware realization um yeah that i don't know it's I, that, that that whole line about like his like what he put in the letter that he realized the only way he could she could beat his crazy is by like out crazing him or something oh uh, yeah i can't remember exactly what the phrasing was but essentially but it's like he's like he saw through the like you know oh she's trying to deceive and control me to the essential truth is by I am I don't even know why I'm chasing my wife anymore, mm-hmm. you know, 
when you finally meet her, my overwhelming thought is, why the fuck are you trying so hard to get this girl back in your life, buddy? I haven't talked to her, like, in at least eight months, probably more like a year. And, uh, yeah. Um, I, but, yeah. But, I- like... It's one of the things that I was trying to, as it was happening, because, like, this is this was the most obvious reveal. The second she, like, handed him the letter, I'm like, oh, she wrote this letter. Yeah, 100 percent. And I think that's intentional because you are, like, as an audience invited at, like, the halfway point in the movie to start judging the morality of people's actions and how their effects are. And I'm trying to score it. And I'm like, man, how do I feel about someone openly deceiving and, like, a conspiracy to involve his other family and friends and deceiving them? And I'm like, it's not ideal, but I think it works in this situation. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, let's say Godzilla is rampaging through your city and you need to stop <laughs> all the rampaging. Yeah. And so you want to break out the nukes, but people are like, I don't know, we'll do a lot of damage to the city if we break out the nukes. Well, Godzilla's already attacking. Yeah. The, he know? has atomic fire, something. man. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know about that either. I... I don't want to judge the morality of that because and again it's a comedy comedy. which yeah that's like i i am pulling a lot of my criticisms for because like yeah and in real life i especially with someone who's like he's not just bipolar there's a little bit of schizophrenia because he's got delusions where a couple times he asked people Mm. things are happening around him are real right and you know a lot of this uh, of course a lot of that could be just in, in the throes of mania too well, and, but, and he, uh, he accused the teacher and his wife of, like, embezzling money from the school, which turned out to be false. Yes, you're right. So I'm, not, so I'm not crazy. There actually was, like, that he's got some schiz... I don't know yeah. a schizophrenia, a, a person in schizophrenia, bipolar, manic schizophrenia, finds out that everyone in his life that he, that he thought cares about <laughs> has been lying to him for weeks to keep him <laughs> apart from... I don't know that mm-hmm. that has the effect that they're saying it would have, you know? But... That's the thing. I, it, I guess if he had realized that she was lying about the letter when I did, then he probably would have had a wholly different reaction than he does when he actually realizes it, right? Because he looks back and sees it, what a act of love it is, you know? Yeah, she, he, he sees it for what it is. It's, it's redirecting his energy into something positive as opposed to something that is doomed, right? Like, the, the way they talk about that relationship he has with Nikki is like, they're both quote unquote crazy for their own reasons and but they but they play off of each other so well yeah. right um yeah. people don't understand our love because it's chaotic and messy but it's there i don't know that it is actually there you know we never really mm. see the other side of that we only see what he tells us and he is very much in love with her so yeah there's this there's this uh, i don't know if this is a real story they made up for this film called cinema paradisimo Decio. but this guy tells a story about this soldier who's in love with this woman and you know he courts her and she's just not giving the time of day and she says like dismissively to this guy like if you sit outside my window and hold vigil for i can't remember what insanely long time it was like a year five i don't know uh i will i will marry you and so the story goes, the soldier grabs a chair and he stays out there day, night. He has his friends, brings him food, canteen. He says his vigil staring at this woman's, you know, window for like how, you know, again, 364 days at the whatever the time was at the 364th day to 23rd hour, the 59th minute with tears streaming down his face. He gets up and he takes his chair and he walks away. Hmm. And like the idea, I think, is that. 
he loved her so much that not only did he prove it, but he also wanted to give her the out to where, like, you know, he didn't keep his end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. it won't be obligation. And I remember when I first heard that story, I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, there is so many th- crazy ass wrong shit th- things going on in that parable. But I feel like Jennifer Lawrence is doing the female equivalent of that in this movie mm-hmm. where she's doing this insanely long commitment and like this it, this this crazy romantic in the Anne of Green Gables sense of the word sh- show. And that's what like him realizing that. Uh, oh my God, look at what this woman has done for me for the better yeah. part of this year. And also she looks like Jennifer Lawrence and she's got an A plus body <laughs> and she is like yeah. super sad. Uh, yeah, like it's like, duh, uh, it, it all hits him. And again, it's a comedy yeah. because none of this shit would fly in, 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 I think the quote unquote real world. That's but, the thing. Uh, it, it's a rom-com and the ending feels the most like a rom-com. It feels like they hit the big button that says yeah. everybody's going to be okay and happy, happily ever after that kind of thing. I don't buy it. I think when you have people with mental issues and degenerate gambling, uh, gamblers trying to open restaurants with money that they're betting away uh, on sun- every Sunday game, like that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how this family made it this long, frankly, with this degenerate gambler just blowing. I mean, he's he's giving the, the bet that he wants to make with this guy at the end is so yeah. lopsided and so like Hail Mary. Dude, he would have just lost you it hear, and bankrupted himself. Anytime the word you, you hear the word parlay come out of a gambler's mouth, you got to know uh-huh. that they're the worst <laughs> kind of degenerate. Like, yeah. it's one thing to bet on an outcome that you have no personal control over to start mixing that with other things you also have no control oh over. God. And yeah. like, well, the casino were giving me great odds. Yeah, because you know what the odds are? Your fucking 10 <laughs> proposition parlay coming through. Zero, dude. That's what, Yeah, they're happy to take your money. Yeah. But I, I felt the same way. It's like, you know, uh, Robert Nero tells Jackie Weaver, hey, I lost my job because of this, that, and the other. But relax, I got a new career. <laughs> I'm just going to be gambling. Like, okay. God. Yeah, no, that's that's insane. But here's the thing. I could feel like that uh, David O. Russell like, told us what kind of movie this is going to be five minutes in when Bradley Cooper read Ernest Hemingway's Farewell to Arms, threw it out the window and said, what kind of fucking book is this? You follow this guy through all these twists and turns and he's with this woman and he survives a fucking war and he does. And then they no, And he's like, nobody wants to see that. And that's what this movie is. This is a movie where this guy gets through. He is the one in a million that kind of is able to sail. And I think, well, or they just ended the Farewell to Arms story when right. when they go to the mountain and then have their house or and their kid or whatever like right they didn't they didn't continue the story to where dad loses the house uh because of his degenerate gambling and uh patrick goes back to the mental facility because he can't keep his shit together like th- there's a definite bad outcome here akin to the wife dying in a farewell to arms that could still happen we just don't get that part of the story in my it's mind. possible, but there's also like the 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 key difference, I guess, is that um, Bradley Cooper's continued to doing the work. He's got an excellent therapist who's got him on a really. I mean, it's not just that he's making personal like sure that I I like that part of the movie that like Bradley Cooper is not just like bootstrapping mm-hmm. to wellness. He has got a arsenal of medicine and great uh, a good support system and mm-hmm. a great doctor that really gets him and his patient and, you know, uh, yeah. not going to have him arrested the first time he comes in his office and 
Although I gotta say that's some that's some therapeutic mouth. What the fuck? Playing that song in the lobby. You got a court ordered patient coming into your lobby, and the first thing you do is play his trigger song just to see, just to see if it's still the trigger. Uh huh. I would have fucking buck wild, man. Bolted down those bookcases and glued every magazine to the bottom because you know what's good. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. Yeah. But again, it's a comedy, you know. Right. Right. Um, no, I'm more worried about his dad, frankly. At the end of this, because his dad has no tools to deal with any of the shit. His dad shows no growth throughout this entire film. He just gets lucky at the end. Yeah, I mean, he's got, like I said, I think he's got a either a milder case of all this, or he's been able to get through his life without as many triggers, um, mm-hmm. or he's got better coping skills, or his his wife just you know, it just ultimately enables him. Because I feel like that's kind of the oh, thing, the real, does. like, and that's but that's her part to play. Like she takes care of these broken men right sure you know mm-hmm. like that's the the way she she her co- the, the her cog fits into the machine yeah and she's um, a little bit like uh tiffany Jer- jennifer lawrence in that regard right yeah because i'll go back to the beginning like why the fuck did she pick him up against doctor's orders before like and and, and like he's visibly in the throes of mania when he gets out yeah. like yeah he's not healthy and the other thing is like there's there's so many like I I feel like it's almost David O like tongue in cheek wink to the audience like this guy's got every advantage one of his like a like a guardian angel is looking out after him as his probation officer and he's got friends in the cops and so like there's probably six different times he should have gone back to Baltimore mm-hmm. but he got forbearance that almost nobody. So that's one thing. It's like, at the end, it's like, this is a very happy story, but it's also very sad because I know just the vast majority of Bradley Coopers are going to just get thrown into wood chipper you know totally uh you don't got insurance and it's not even access to insurance anymore it's access to actual therapists in your area that are taking on new patients and take your and you click with and can't hold a job because of it and you got nowhere to live you're out on the street you know it's he's lucky to have parents who can take him in and he he doesn't have to work and he can work on himself just getting healthy yeah, and it's sad because, like, he is this uh, really, you know, kind of, uh, he's got a lot to offer to the world, right? And if he could just get some chemicals regulated and, and uh, get a couple of routines, he'd be a productive member of society. But that's what I was like. I just kept on thinking, like, man, yeah, he, he'd be in jail. He'd be in jail. He'd be that. Mm-hmm. No, he's he's sleeping on the park bench tonight, and then someone's going to say some shit to him, and he's going to start, and he's going to go back, and, and it's... there. There's a scene that I... I will say the, the cop that is kind of hanging around sort of monitoring him. The whole movie is very reasonable. That's uh, what I'm saying. More so than I would expect based on the situations he finds himself in. I feel like that he's a family friend or maybe he's Shay Wiggum's best friend. Cause there's, maybe. I, I, that is why I need to watch this movie again. But I think when they, mm-hmm. he first meet him, the day they explain some kind of family connection or why he's Probably. like, trying to take care of this guy or the other possibility is his parole officer and this other cop are two separate characters they're not though right they're all uh am i having a delusion what was the parole officer real jim that's that's a good question not that last question but are they the same person i guess is the good question uh i I think that this is Bradley Cooper's dying dream as he's being lethally injected in a state prison in Alabama because the system has chewed him and spit mm-hmm. him out. And this is just his, his brain making happy chemicals until he dies. Cause that's like, <laughs> yeah. Why is this cop? Why is this cop this guardian angel? 
Yeah, why is he friends. why does he show up every single time he throws hands no matter where he is in philly uh-huh. which is a big fucking town last time i went <laughs> yeah yeah they kind of play philly as like this small town setting which is a little strange well is it a suburb of philly right it's it gotta, gotta be. be yeah yeah but still uh, but, but there's that scene uh, one of the scenes that really stood out to me that i was frankly surprised at um but but I guess in retrospect makes a lot of sense. He's kind of at this place where where he can cope with it. It's the scene outside the theater where mm. he insults Tiffany and she kind of just like she attacks him in the way that she mm-hmm. knows how, which is to say this guy's harassing me, draw a big crowd. Everything starts going wrong in that scene. All of his mm-hmm. triggers start happening. I think even that song is playing. Yeah, uh, it is. On the speaker outside the theater. And he, I was shocked that he was able to cope with that because I think a lot of people who don't have the mental issues that he has wouldn't be able to cope very well with that situation. And he does use that technique of just like, just withdrawing into himself, right? Shutting off all the external stuff. Yeah. But that cop shows up and I was shocked that he did not get arrested because again, he's got the buddy cop. Attack somebody or something. He just. Yeah, he excelsioned his way through it, I guess. He had the buddy cop. He had the super hot J-Law tell him to breathe. He had a lot of advantages in that situation. Um, and then the, well, yeah, she the was other... also screaming. He's harassing Well, she, and, yeah. at that point, she had turned back around when she saw uh, that he was about to. She saw the cops, yeah. and she knew. She's like, kind of like, well, I don't want this to happen. But uh, Right, right. She, like I said, she's a little she's a little kooky, too. She's mm-hmm. recovering. Um but because like he also was just being a unconscionable prick to her about this oh, yeah. being a slut and like making fun of her over the death of her husband and but not I like, like what she said. I didn't feel malicious. It just felt like that's the unfiltered matter access like, to his like brain, that theater right? wasn't wasn't playing that music to fuck with him. It's just like you know, but he is not. He's being. Well, I just thoughtless. don't want to. It, yeah, but it's hard to blame him for that. No, I mean, this yeah, there's like this is this is a judgment free zone. I'm just saying that like it's okay. uh, it's not like he was like, pray tell sister, sit and be reasonable. Like he was being he was not just like like he was being a real asshole and, and triggering the shit out of her. And I think the thing that led up to like she tried to like there's one point where I, I think she rose to the occasion and she just was like, look. Uh, part of me is always going to be sloppy and messy, but I wouldn't want any other way. I love that about myself. Can you say the same? You fucker. Uh, can you can you learn how to forgive? And mm-hmm. then, you know, he just kept on kind of like escalating from there until she's like, you know, what's like also what the hell is she going to do? He wouldn't leave her alone. He was harassing her. Um, but, yeah, I'm not blaming him because obviously he's just get he's just got all these buttons that fingers are pushing and the machine does what it what it does and, until it gets better programming. But um I just like that part where she's like, that's the that's because that's like, man, that's the important part of recovery is just like, yeah, I've been a little sloppy and mess. We've done some bad things. But you're not a bad person and you can love the journey that you've been to to get to be the person you are today. And it feels like she's almost there and maybe he's starting that path at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, Is there a hint that everyone in this, his family's crazy? Because I thought not crazy. I shouldn't say that. Uh <laughs> Is there is there an implication that everyone in his family has some kind of neurodivergence? Because when Shea Wiggum comes on the scene, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. this is going to be your stereotypically golden son. He's the one that's got the nice house. And he's got, you know, getting married. He's got the kids, all this kind of stuff. 
But the longer he ran, I'm like, oh, he's got some kind of Asperger's too, because no fully, you know, typical functional person would go on to their mentally ill brother just got out of a state institution talking about like, wow, isn't it amazing how everything that you're down on, I'm up on? And there's a couple mm-hmm. points in the movie where he kept doing that. And it's like everyone in this family has got some kind of divergence. Or am yeah, I or was, was sure. that just like a piece of the comedy? Uh, I think it's both. I think it was meant to be funny in the scene, which it kind of is. And then it was also meant to show that, yeah, his brother is not you know some some model of what we would hold up perfect of perfect mental health yeah and then you could see like again the we've we've talked about this but the nero's character the you can see the mania creeping in at him and the justification of the insane behavior like when he's cashed out the family restaurant right that's what he did and mm-hmm. he's going to mm-hmm. put it all on this game and he's like, oh, no, this is good for it because the families it has been on the restaurant. It pulls us all together. It's a family endeavor. So we're all in for you. And that's why it's a good thing. This is a good thing, Patty. And I'm like, this is just. Yeah, I don't know if it's the degenerate gambler or the mania, but either way, it's uh, it's it's not good. It's not this. None of this is good. Yeah, no, it starts off small with him. You, you kind of get glimpses into what might be going on in his head um, and the, the force is kind of driving him with you know just turning remote controls a certain way as as the play starts on the eagles game right or Mm -hmm. or asking his son to stay because you know i want to spend some time with you stay no really stay i need you to stay because we're gonna lose if you don't uh right you start to see it a little deeper and deeper and by the end it's full-on lunacy i mean Mm -hmm. not only does he bet and lose the money that he had saved for the restaurant, but he then doubles down on that bet. So and now like he's losing said, money he doesn't have. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and large, I mean, the amount of money you need to open a restaurant is not a small amount of money. It's in the hundreds of thousands, if yeah. not more. Uh, on a single game is what he's betting, and he's already lost that bet once, and now he's doubling down. It's yeah, his, and it wins, his troubles but it, go very deep too. All these things that you say are true, but the payoff of them getting that 5-0 result and everyone going nuts (laughs) is so fun. I lolled so hard because I was like Uh, mentally doing the math in my head. I'm like, wait, is that going to... And they just say 5-0 and everyone goes to like, hey, that's a rough... You know, that's some rough luck, Uh man. And those judges maybe were a little too hard, but everyone just goes nuts. (laughs) Yes. And it's like not everyone. It's like 10 people, 10 very loud people in this room of professional ballroom dancers going nuts over yeah. 5-0 result oh right? oh it's so funny it's really funny that's gonna make it's, their their tournament or whatever this is their their contest because they're gonna be yeah. telling the story for ages like we were at okay. this tournament we got a seven point something they got a five and they loved it yeah and you should have seen their routine it was like a jukebox <laughs> right. medley of every crazy style of dancing and two or three that they made up and then mm-hmm. the big move because they never should oh, like what God. is this big move gonna be <laughs> completely botch it <laughs> <laughs> what is it supposed to be like full-on stand up eat the pussy like or because yeah. like just the way it feels like the face eat- yeah, they got they got they got like halfway there, and it's like, well, what was it supposed mm-hmm. to look like? Because and the crowd's know, like just <gasps> just oh, is and the way she's trying to wriggle up on his shoulders <laughs> for like ten seconds while they're yeah yeah they it's... blow 
Yeah, it's like it's oh, like when uh, like like a, a an ice skater biffs their move and falls down, but then they they prat fall three times trying to get back their skates, and then <laughs> oh yeah, that's like I I couldn't believe the movie got that big a laugh out of me. Um, there were a couple of times when I laughed out loud at this movie. That was one. Another one was something that J Law said. It might have been the I was a big slut thing. Uh, right. I, there's a couple of times where her admissions about her behavior just were hilarious to me. Yeah, it's, he reminded a lot of like some of the Patrick O'Brien stuff I like, where it's like he sets up a big laugh three chapters ago. Nice. And there's yeah. been some like burbling things in the background, but like, yeah, because like, yeah, because they never really show show what the big move or what this thing is. That you see some montages, but like I said, it's like it doesn't make sense. It'd be like if a Rocky mm-hmm. montage, uh, uh, uh Mick is like showing some boxing things. Okay, that makes sense. But then he's showing Rocky auto repair films. And then like they're watching Mike Rowe doing dirty jobs, cleaning it. And like, where is all this going to fucking go when he gets into the ring? And he shows up and you see a porta potty in the side. And there's like, like there's a a V8 engine brand. Like, oh God, they're going to incorporate this all somehow. Uh Uh, And and they're... I, I just love like getting in their head on this move because they think this is their big move. This is the showstopper, right? Yeah, yeah. And and by the end of it, I couldn't even tell you what the move was supposed to be. Like you said, it they they think they're they think they're really on to something, and that just tickles yeah. me. Like these, these yeah. amateur dancers think they're gonna <laughs> d- impress people with some move that a they can't even do, but b wouldn't be awesome even if they pulled it off. Yeah. Um, we talked about J Law being the youngest, or I, you know, that she won an Oscar, a uh, very young age. And I thought it was incredible because there's one point where Brad, where she's talking, and Brad uh, Cooper says, "How old are you?" Because he's like, you know, mm-hmm. worried, you know, I just, and she's like, "I'm old enough to have a, you know, failed marriage, blah blah blah, and 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 uh, not gone to mental institute." But it's a fair question to ask because like the some of the things that she delivers, like that scene where she's trying to get him to, to, to channel emotions through his dancing. And he just like he is so far away from doing anything with emotions besides experiencing and acting out that he's like, I don't I don't feel anything. And she like just dead, like dead eye looks at him and like delivers like the backstory of how her husband died. And it's just like incredibly tragic, especially given the, what you know of her character's backstory and the irony of all that. And like every it's like. And she's so good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's good at the comedy. She's good at the dancing. She's got three or four of these soliloquies, like mental health soliloquies that uh, like are some of the best things you've ever seen in a drama film. It's really impressive. Really impressive. Yeah, I was very impressed by both of the leads here. Uh, she she has like a... There's, there's something she's doing with processing what he's saying to her. Uh at a at a rapid pace and like mm-hmm. you kind of get all the emotions that she's going through just without saying really anything and then she'll right. and then when she hits you with the line that she's actually going to say you're just like either cracking up or it's devastating right it's like mm-hmm. this very insightful um thing that she's saying so i yeah I, I think she did an amazing job and i don't know what she was up against in the awards but probably deserved it um I really like the scene. Um, it's like a few, it, where the the racist idiots come to piss on the Indian Eagles fans parade, and it turns mm-hmm. out his therapist is one of the the Indians there. 
And yeah. it's it reminded me of like in Drunken Master, you know, like Jackie Chan's not supposed to have alcohol causes because he's got a problem. But like mm-hmm. every once in a while, his mom will be like, this is fucked up. Here's a bottle of alcohol just because you got unleashed a beast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one time the whole movie, I'm like, come on, Brad, Coop, you can go a little crazy. You go a little crazy. <laughs> right. Look what they're doing to Shay. Look at this. Like they just jumped him. You go yeah. set. You're going you're gonna to take that. Let let let, yeah, let it out. Doing these indie guys who are who are fans just like them. They're yeah. yeah. Leave these guys. Yeah, it's like yeah. Just come on, come on. And he does. He does. Yeah. Gets um, in there. And it's the fun. The one thing. It's funny because that's the one time he almost he does almost get sent back up. Right when he's kind of mm-hmm. like broadly speaking, doing the right thing. Yeah. That in the fight he has with his dad. Um, that was pretty that crazy. Was sad. Yeah. Yeah. Like he accidentally, he he's in this kind of manic mode. He accidentally hits mm-hmm. his mom, knocks her to the ground. Mm-hmm. His right. dad sees that, and and, I, and you know, rightfully I think, kind of jumps in to try and stop it, but jumps in maybe a little too uh, aggressively. Yeah, because um, he's scared. You know, I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of emotion flying around in that scene, and it's scared. terrifying and sad at the same time. I was surprised to see the Silver Linings Playbook as a Christmas film. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. And now, back with more Bald Move. It is... You have have Christmas lights, Christmas tree, playing Christmas standards for a non-significant point. Like, the entire dance sequence takes place at, like, a Christmas party. Uh, And all everybody's everybody's houses are decorated. Yeah, it ends on a it ends on mm-hmm. a nice Christmas finish. Yeah, it really does. And I gotta say, like, if you go back to the Ernest Hemingway theory, uh, and we get to the end of this movie, and J Law goes to the bar and just drinks herself into oblivion and goes on another slutscapade, and Bradley Cooper uh, goes out and like punches the most uh, the 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 goofiest looking dancer for you know looking at him weird, and the woo woos come and put him in bracelets, and he's back. I don't like this film. I say this yeah. film. This film's a button, this piece of shit. So like, I think he's right. Like, you don't you don't go ultra realistic uh, when you're doing your feel good mental mm-hmm. illness rom com. You yeah, do want sure. to talk about the exceptions because it's also like it gives people you're gonna hope that like if you do, it's hard. It's hard. Very hard work. Self improvement. But if you keep at it and you are have the courage to give up the coping skills that have got you this far to learn how to do some you know, some, some actually healthy coping skills, uh, you, you can get there. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. Um, so there's a turning point in this movie for Patrick where the family, you know, his, is in ruins because his dad's lost this huge bet and, um, he wants to double down and parlay with the dance competition Mm -hmm. and, and he goes ahead with it. And then there's this turn of phrase that, uh, Jennifer Lawrence uses in in that argument. If I'm reading this, also signs. he he remembers is in the letter that mm-hmm. supposedly Nikki wrote to him, so he realizes that she wrote that letter, mm-hmm. and and then he just focuses up. Like the rest of the movie is him dragging her along into this, right? Um, yes. What what is the what is the thing there that changed? Because I'm not sure, I, I'm certain I can put my finger on it, but it did feel right. It felt like this guy has seen the mechanisms turning behind the scenes and now kind of gets it. Yeah, it's like they, they talk. This is the classic moment of clarity. 
that like mm-hmm. you don't and some people have multiple ones some people just need the one but like where you like it's just like somehow you've done enough personal work or you fucked up large enough that like you're like sober and you're like oh my god i've i've had this realization and i think it's and then also there's only like a week to go i believe in in the timeline i think, I think he so, yeah. just like this realization of oh my this look this woman has done this and the first reaction is to like it but like this is love this is love that nikki's never shown me mm-hmm. um this is love that i haven't found anywhere else like someone that like cares so much about me that they're willing to do this giant charade to romance me to seduce me you know because that's what this it is, is this is the thing so so in the letter he says like the fake Nikki says you need to show me a sign that you're getting mm-hmm. better right so is this her sign that she's putting out there that says hey I love you I think so I think that's just her she was just like using Nikki the carrot of Nikki to try to get him mm-hmm. to try his best so she's like show like you yeah. know th- that's her speaking too like she wants to see him to show her something to exactly. make her think that he's not going to waste her time as well Mm-hmm. Um, there's a related thing. What what the fuck was Julia Stiles thinking? Bringing Nikki to this competition was she? Is she trying to fuck with her sister? Because that's not an that's uncommon dynamic I that I've seen portrayed. I've never experienced it myself because mm-hmm. my my siblings are pretty tight. But like this insane competition that leads you to like yeah. undermine and sabotage each other. Is she get yeah. secretly pleasure from seeing her sister? like debase herself and fail while she's like i don't know there that was, was that first there was that first dinner scene where you know uh patrick first meets tiffany and mm-hmm. and in that scene somewhere they're talking about you can see that this is a very contentious relationship between the sisters and and tiffany kind of blames her older sister for something like this you know it, it's like not necessarily like setting her up to fail, but always tearing her down. Um, and so, yeah, when that happened, I thought there are two possibilities here, right? There's one possibility is that I think the movie is kind of saying on the surface is that Patrick talked to Ronnie about never letting a marriage fail for his own marriage. And then Ronnie took that and extended it to Patrick as well and said, well, I'm going to help him get his wife back. That's a possibility. That could be why Nikki showed up. The yeah, other possibility, could... and I think the real one behind the scenes here is that Veronica, who I think is uh, the the older sister's name, mm-hmm. is intentionally sabotaging her younger sister. Or she's using, I think it's maybe both, the way you laid it out, that his friend is like, he knows that he really wants Nikki back, and he's been doing all this stuff ostensibly for Nikki, and he also doesn't mm-hmm. know. So, and his wife probably knows all the subtext probably understands what's going on and yeah she's being going along because you can see her she shuts down stuff that she doesn't agree with and i just totally i can't imagine she is so oblivious about her sisters it's like oh my sister has been dirty dancing to this guy for six months uh-huh. And, you know, like, I, I don't think it's open not that no one knew about the letter except for those two, though, right? Pretty sure. Yeah. But yeah, that like I, I kind of am doing the math here and it's it's fine because like that's what his buddy says. It's like, look, you got to you know, she comes up furious at her sister and his buddy's like, look, you got to give him a shot, man. He's been working so hard for it. he's oblivious. I don't think she is. And it's also mm. like this is another minor thing. Um, 
when he's talking about how good they've got it and it's like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, we got it good, but uh, she's wants more and she deserves it. So I'm going to give her more. And I always think it's like, okay, like some dudes are really cagey about the finances and maybe their wives don't know like how much they're having to work or how much they're having to go on into debt to finance this lifestyle. But like, if that's you, stop doing that. (laughs) Know know your fucking household's finances so your husband doesn't work themselves to death or your wife if if if, uh, that's the case, whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like I, I just like. She has to know at some point that she is working this man outside of their means to kind of support what she thinks is being successful. So I'm like, I kind of like fuck Julia Stiles through most of this movie. And when I got to that scene, I'm like, oh, no, everything that uh, Jennifer Lawrence said about her in that first scene is at least half true. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt about her by the end. Julia Stiles, man. Yeah, she's great. (laughs) she's great uh, uh I, was, I was like like she's like a great cinematic villain but like i can't imagine i don't think she's been the bad guy in anything i've ever seen except for yeah yeah i've seen 10 things i hate about you maybe there's the jason Bourne stuff she starts off as a bad guy but well i mean she's a treadstone yeah. employee by the uh-huh, end she's helping uh-huh. jason so you oh know, i know she, got she, there. she has a change of heart uh, i will say the two of the scenes that affected me most were the robert de niro scenes um mm. There's one where he comes to a son, and this this is, in retrospect, it feels so manipulative, right? He comes to his son in the middle of the night and, like, wakes him up, or, or in the morning or whatever, wakes him up, and he's talking about how, uh, you know, he, he has, he opens up to him, right? And, and, and Patrick is like, yeah, my dad opened up to me, I need to do this thing for him, but but Robert De Niro comes to him and like pours his heart out about, oh, you know, I wasn't a good dad. Maybe I wasn't there enough for you. Maybe I focused more on your brother, all that stuff. And, and he gets him to do the thing he wants him to do, which mm-hmm. is go to that Eagles game. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's manipulative, but in the moment I'm thinking, man, this scene is really good. This is a great performance. That's uh, why it works. That's why those manipulations work so well. Dude, like, oh right? my God. Oh, dad. And then so the, that's why they're yeah. also ultimately so destructive because eventually, unless you're a total idiot, you'll, you'll wake up oh, to those yeah. machinations. Once you realize, yeah, then, then everything becomes that. Um, and, and then the other scene is at the end, which I think is, is a more beautiful scene is heartfelt and real. Uh, when his dad comes to him after this, uh, he, what is it he wins the dance he well wins the dance he gets a five in the dance mm-hmm. and then he goes over to nikki and he's talking to her right um this this is patrick jr he's talking to her and he whispers into her ear something and you know uh jennifer lawrence runs out of the building because she thinks oh they're getting back together and then patrick jr comes over and his dad grabs him and says this is a this is a moment in your life that you're you need to make a decision that's going to affect you forever I've made these decisions. I've been at these points and I've fucked them up. Don't do this. Uh, make the right choice here. And he's trying to convince him to do something that Patrick Jr. has already has already in his own mind made up to do. Yeah, he's got and, the letter. And I think that's a beautiful moment. And, and what he does is just lean in, give him a hug and say, thanks, dad, you know, because uh-huh. because it's a real moment from his dad for once. And I thought that was really touching. He's so funny too, De Niro. Like one of the other funny parts in the movie is when, like, you know, it looks like the the sports bet's underhand, so they switch over to go look at the dance competition, and, and like, uh, 
you know, the friend and Shea Wiggum are, were wigging out about it. And uh, De Niro's like, don't worry about this bet. Don't worry about this bet. Don't worry. And then he looks in and he sees like the costumes and the setting. And he's like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's yeah, just how annoyed thing. he was at like how worried they were until. And he's like, ah, don't worry. Because, you know, the degenerate gambler had his own moment of clarity right there. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. What have I gotten myself into? There's yeah, that fi- I just lost this bet. That 5 didn't seem like a, a gimme at that point. No, not at all. It is a little... I, I, I wonder, like... Um, <laughs> speaking of Singing in the Rain... Oh, I wonder if that's another... Goddamn, David O. So, you've seen Singing in the Rain now. If you haven't, uh-huh. the big part of the plot is they play a extraordinarily cool, cruel bra- um, uh, joke uh, at Gene Kelly's girlfriend's experience, Debbie Fisher to expose this other ridiculous woman. And, you know, she's devastated and she's crying and she's running out the theater and Don, Don, uh, Gene yells out, stop that woman. And like the whole audience grabs her. It's so fucking traumatic, but he's like, this is the woman. And he reveals the whole thing. And then she's like, Oh, but it reminded me of that where it's like, Mm -hmm. he kind of Debbie Fishered her where he went on knowing damn well what she would think, walked over his ex-wife, pulled her in close, whispered something in her ear and then did the, you know, no, wait, you don't understand. Here's the letter. It's, it was like, yeah, that's kind of an insane thing to do to someone that's struggling <laughs> with a lot of mental, <laughs> with a lot of mental triggers of her own, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? Okay. He's, he's focused up and he's gotten through this dance competition and had a moment of clarity, yeah. but he's still got, so the, he still has that no filter kind of thought process. Right. So I, in that moment, I don't think he's thinking about how cruel this is going to be he's just thinking what's the next thing on my my checklist where is my brain pushing me to go yeah it's go over to nikki and and deal with that situation and then come back to to uh tiffany he just doesn't think about how it's going to look yeah yeah, he yeah. Does it. or yeah no I, I mean that's probably but it's just it's just really funny how many uh yeah yeah, guys. Like I said I want to watch this movie again because I, I now I'm thinking there's like tons of other literary for shit because like already the all the other references came. You know the Hemingway one, the mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Uh, Singing in the Rain one. Uh, what was the other book that he was reading? Um, he's reading a lot of books. Lord of the Flies was in there. Um, I don't know if Lord of the Flies. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I might maybe can't maybe imagine. unless someone's unless someone's holding a conch at some point in the movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, what else? And, then, you and then there's that that you know big emotional scene where they you know he reads her the letter that he wrote her, mm-hmm. um, and I just I, I this seems to be this seems to be Bradley Cooper's look. But if he wanted this scene to be really romantic, maybe shave the neck beard. I don't know. Bradley Cooper just he doesn't he doesn't shave anything. He doesn't shave anything. Nothing. Are you breaking uh, yeah. news here? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh Yeah, I don't know. I didn't notice it. I didn't notice it. No? I didn't I mean, notice the neck beard. Yeah, it's one of those guys who just like grows it all out. He's the type of guy that wears a stained Deshaun Jackson jersey to a, a fancy to dinner, dinner too. So he can get away with Kinda it. Like, I mean, he's Bradley Cooper looking. He's very good looking, yeah. He's very good looking. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you have to do. You don't have to. You you can have messy hair and and uh, running makeup and a neck beard if you're sufficiently attractive. <laughs> it turns Apparently. out, yeah. 
Well, I mean, she's she's messy and sloppy sometimes. I think there's like that's the other thing. It's mm, like I, it yeah. does feel like, um, and that's like the hell. A lot of people, damaged people, would do well uh, in a mutual healing journey. It's just most of the time when they meet, they don't. They're attracted. Like I love that scene where they're comparing their, uh, you know, the antidepressants they've been on, you know, and the effects they had, and like what it yeah. did to them, and you know, they're, they're so, so there's this immediate attraction. Um, but so often, like a little bit in real life, when you meet that you're just like not in the place in recovery where you were in a place where you could mm-hmm. be mutually healthy and supportive. And mm-hmm. um, actually, Maria Bamford's uh, Lady Dynamite does a really good job of telling like a story of that kind of virtuous circle of, of two people in a rough situation finding each other. And a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, it's that's a very funny show, too. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. if you like this, maybe check out that. Um, yeah, I did like this. I guess I'm just grateful not to be locked into some kind of existence like that where your brain just does the things it's going to do and you have very little control over it that, that's the thing like this movie really gave me kind of some insight you know it is a comedy but it, i feel like there's some real truth there too uh, about what it's like to be somebody with this uh issue and yeah. i i felt like i kind of understand it a little bit more after watching this movie no, it's a huge advantage to to be uh, largely, largely speaking. The the more neurotypical you are, the more the world's kind of set up for you to have a hassle free yeah. life, right? Um, and like you know, I I know you didn't mean that, but I don't want anyone to because I don't think I don't truly believe anyone's stuck there. But like certainly, I'd we'd be lying if if I'd said that the 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 less neurotypical you are, the harder life is going to be. Um, but it doesn't mean it's insurmountable. It just means like it's just going to be harder. Um. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing. It's like because the the most of the people I knew that were like bipolar were very young, you know, in their early twenties, and they had been you know mentally healthy all their lives. And it's like the hell of it was like getting them to do the things that the doctors are telling them to do, like mm-hmm. stay on the medication. Mm-hmm. But they like being manic because being manic is kind of awesome. It's like a superpower. Um, or they don't like the effect of the drug, right? Because it well, because the effect of the drug is going to prevent them from their... being. Yeah, manic. It'd be like, you know, if you're like high on cocaine and someone came around and is like, hey, you're going to, I'm going to take your cocaine away from you. No. And then that's, that's just, you know, that's a standard addiction. But if you're like brain is the mm-hmm. thing that's doing it. Um, and yeah, like a lot of things that, um, you know, the same kind of like, you know, paranoid delusions and, you know, the inability to separate some reality from, uh, you know, the things that you're worried about and your anxieties. The same things that makes it very hard to like just take you know take a person with a white lab coat at straight value to be like oh take the stuff that's going to make you feel especially since a lot of antidepressants for the the uptake period you're not going to feel you are going to feel real weird you're not you might have some side effects are kicking in and you know Mm -hmm. it's like the like the push through that instead of being like fuck this you know it's not really that bad um yeah and i I like that too oh i just don't feel normal right like i when your normal is you know different than other people's normal and mm-hmm. people are telling you that's not normal let's take mm-hmm. these pills to make you more like us it it i can imagine it doesn't feel very good to be to feel like you're not yourself yeah i thought his i thought his doctor other than the trying to trigger him with the music and uh, <laughs> yeah. uh i don't know the face painting <laughs> at the eagles game i don't know if that's sane behavior 
Yeah. Um, I did like how he, you know, was very calm and patient with Brad. Like, you know, it's like, I just, I'm not going to take the medicine doc was like, you're going to have to, like, you don't have a choice. Like if you don't do this, you're going to go to Baltimore and, mm-hmm. and you know, you don't want to be that's like, he kept on bringing it back to like Bradley Cooper being like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. He's like, well, do you want to go back to the mental institution? Do you want to go back to jail? Well, then you have to do this, you know? Um, it's less unpleasant yeah. than the other thing. And just kind of like patiently molding and, and kind of suggesting and pushing and, 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 and enforcing boundaries. Like I, it did seem like he's a pretty good doctor. I thought he was, uh, I thought that, that they, he really seemed like he, again, other than the, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck psychological experiment he was doing for his paper, he's writing, uh, yeah. he seemed like a pretty good therapist <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, that said, I think we're we're finished talking about Silver Lying's playbook. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we have got um, a Clockwork Orange. I've never I've escaped life thus far without seeing that film. Hmm. I know it's one of the it's one of the few Kubrick holes I have remaining. So I'm going to check that out. That was another one voted on by the patron executive producers. If you'd like to join that August company and help us uh, choose what uh, movies we're going to be covering when we have the time or schedule to do so, uh, you can support us at support.baldmove.com. If you're wondering about all the other stuff we're going to be doing, for example, we're going to go see The Creator uh, tomorrow. Uh, that'll be out soon. If you want to see all the other things we're doing, including our television coverage, best place to find that information out is on social media, at Bald Move everywhere, except for TikTok, we're at Baldest Move. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening to another Bald Move Prestige movie. See you next week for a clockwork, clockwork, a clockwork orange. Maybe Jim can strap me to a chair and pry my eyes open and play Webster's Dictionary until <laughs> things stick. Uh, we'll see if that works. And, 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 and until next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. <laughs>